Nuno and João are partners from The Walking Mentorship, and they bring the inside look in the life of the people they walk with. The podcast Keep Walking With Me searches for potential solutions towards the best version of ourselves. Every month, we walk together with a guest. There is a disclaimer that needs to be shared. After listening to this program, you might feel the urge to step outside and go for a long walk. But don't worry, that is absolutely normal. Welcome to the podcast, Keep Walking With Me. Today, we have a very special guest walking and talking with us. So let me ask, in a nutshell, who is Peter Hawkins? Well, uh, Nuno, first of all, it's lovely to be with you both. Um, the question, who is Peter Hawkins, is one that I <coughs> have spent over 70 years trying to, uh, to answer. Um, and I, <coughs> I would say in that 70 years, I, I discover more each year. Um, as I believe our potentiality only unfolds as life presents us new challenges. Uh, but uh, currently, I, I would say my two most important roles in life are being a grandfather and being a gardener. But uh, that's not what I'm well known for. I'm well known for um, probably transforming the field of coaching and the field of consultancy. Um, I've run several consultancy businesses over my life. Uh, I've trained many OD consultants, coaches, written a lot of books about systemic team coaching. Um, and my current book I'm writing is on beauty um, as a guide to the necessary transformation of human consciousness in leadership and coaching. So I'm, I'm very focused at the moment on how we have many challenges facing us in the world. But at root, there is only one challenge, and that, that is all the challenges of climate change, global inequality, conflict, loss of biodiversity, inequality. All of those at heart are symptoms of the fact that our human consciousness is not evolved to keep pace with uh, the power the human species has developed in the world. Well, thank you so much, Peter. That is very, very thoughtful and deep. Uh, I think we could just keep <laughs> going on that. <laughs> well, but actually, um, a couple of years ago, uh, we interviewed for our podcast, uh, your colleague, David Clutterbuck. And uh, I remember to hear him referring that what I think it's seems to be an appreciation of both of you for thinking and discussing possibilities while walking. At least I think you mentioned that. Why do you think it's maybe easier to think outdoors? Or maybe if there's any story you want to share with us that maybe involves nature, walking and thinking? I mean... <laughs> so um, one of the things I continue to do is I try and uh, reduce my radically by global air miles is, is I run advanced retreats here. I live on a uh, beautiful property. I'll just show you the view from, from the window where I, where I go walking. All right. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, so what you'll realize is that I had the opportunity to walk straight from my house. And um, we have about um, 
16 hectares, 37 acres of land here. And so it's a great opportunity between meetings and hours spent on Zoom to go out and reconnect with nature. And when I do the advanced retreats here for senior people who've been in the world of coaching and consultancy or leadership for a long time, we do quite a bit of work walking in pairs through the woodlands, through the valley, through the fields. And one of the things about coaching walking is that you're shoulder to shoulder, not face to face. We're both facing what's unfolding in front of us. And, and I often say to people, look, as, as you walk, be aware that you, you've got three levels of focus. You've got what's immediately under your feet. You've got the pathway opening in front of you. Yeah, and are you creating the path or is the path creating your walking? They both are happening. There is a there's a co-evolution in paths. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, the path, the path dictates where you walk, and where the path is is dictated by where you walk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <It's a> lovely <laughs> metaphor. There's also what's coming over the horizon, changing weather, changing seasons. And, and it's such a good way of doing what we teach leaders around three horizon thinking. Horizon one, business as usual, horizon two, innovating for tomorrow, being aware of what's what what's emerging. But also, how do we do future foresight? Yeah. But the other thing that happens when we're walking is we we tune in to the um, somatic rhythms of the person. We listen through our body not through trying to make sense okay. just to their words. We get into their rhythm of being. We we pause with them. We um and and there is more we learn from people through their rhythm than through their words. Yeah. In fact there's a very interesting study, I can't remember where I read it, but that two of the great English poets, Wordsworth and Coleridge. Uh, who used to go walking together. They were first young poets. And um, they had two very different styles of walking, and you could hear it in their poetry. So Wordsworth would have this steady, rhythmical, slow-paced, whereas Coleridge would stop and start and go off at angles and diagonals, and, um, and, and his rhythm would change and um, had a much faster drum beat to it so you can tune in you can tune into people's drum beats their, their rhythm their pace and the third the third thing we teach around that is um and i'll tell you a story around this one is what we call the pause uh in the middle of covid i was supervising one of the many people i supervise as a senior coach consultant and she said look because we're doing so many coachings on mobile phones, because the people are fed up being on Zoom all the time and they want to go out for a walk in the middle of lockdown. 
So we both walk, listening to each other on our phones with an earpiece. But what she noticed that people, because they were trying to fit so much into the day, were walking faster and faster and doing half an hour rather than one hour sessions. And, and it was becoming very driven. Even the walking was driven. Mm -hmm. So I, I said, look, all you need to do is at some point halfway through, you just need to say, pause. Stop wherever you are and I'll stop wherever I am. Look around you. What is the most beautiful thing that surrounds you right now that speaks to you? What has that got to say to what you're exploring? You may be in the middle of a city. It may be you suddenly see a child playing or you see a, a tree going out of the concrete. Yeah, or you see some fruit outside a shop or you're, you're walking the country. What, what bird or plant or animal or tree is speaking to you? What would they be saying about the issue you're addressing? And that ability to use nature as an oracle. Yeah. As one of my great spiritual teachers said, we all share one great holy scripture. And that is the scripture of nature. Which is beyond all our bibles so beautiful um, definitely I, and uh, sorry Joe, i cannot resist to connect i we read somewhere that you are creating a woodland so you mentioned in your uh when you do the the retreats that you go to the woodland can you share with us a little bit why are you investing probably something for your grand grandsons Ah, and, yeah, and granddaughters. <laughs> and granddaughters, grandchildren, sorry. Yeah. Um, so when we moved here, um, one of my great teachers is, is the land that we that I hadn't planned in my life to suddenly take on 16 hectares or 37 acres. I just wanted two or three. <laughs> um, but life inspired that <clears throat> we would end up here. And, and one of the questions, you know, what, what it taught me was a different rhythm in life. Because we've restored a walled garden. And I had to say to myself, look, this is a 15 year project, not a six month project. Mm -hmm. Then I had to look at, well, what did the fields need? I thought I could just let them go wild, but you can't do that because because the grass grows up and thatches over and, and you lose your biodiversity. And mm -hmm. So you have to learn you know, to have a natural wild flower meadow, how to move animals around. And, and then um, we look out, as I showed you, on these beautiful woodlands, the other side of the river, and we had little bits of woodland. But um, what I was aware of is that we have a lovely bat colony four miles from here, greater horseshoe bats. And they need they need a corridor to fly out in the summer to wider and wider feeding grounds so they don't get eaten by all the owls. Mm -hmm. We need to keep the bats going to feed the owls who are, who are lovely. And um, then I realized that, you know, we have fields between us and a local school. And I uh, worked with the Woodland Trust to plant a new woodland with two and a half, that, that particular bit of woodland, we planted other trees, but two and a half thousand trees. And um, 
they they I said to them, would they do this project with me with school children? We had a thousand children planting trees. And uh, they said, well, in 2005, we're celebrating the 200th anniversary of the Battle of Trafalgar. And we want to plant 33 woodlands, each replacing the number of trees it took to build one of those ships. Hmm. So, so the school children learned about the Battle of Trafalgar and this particular mm -hmm. ship, ship, this wood is named, named after one of the smaller ships at two and a half thousand. The biggest ships were five and a half thousand trees. Right? So if you like, we are restoring what was destroyed to, mm -hmm. to, to fight battles. But they learned about the ship. They learned about the young children that were serving on it. You know, from twelve years mm -hmm. old, they had people in the battle. They learned about bats. They learned about planting trees. Mm -hmm. So it became a very rich kind of educational project, and it now provides a lovely little uh, woodland path. We can do the coaching in circuits round, mm -hmm. um, and and of course now, just eighteen years later. Trees are mm -hmm. way taller than us. <laughs> um, wonderful. Um, but but also, woodlands teach you about how to think systemically. You know, they teach you that there is far more happening beneath the surface than above the surface. Mm -hmm. That the trees through the mycelium kind of communicate with each other and through the fungi and through the, mm -hmm. uh, um, that they, to know a woodland, not just as a visitor, but from a woodlander, you, you, you have to live in it and you have to experience it through different weathers and the animals that live there and the creatures that live there and the, the cycles that it goes through. So you start to, to think in patterns and rhythms again. And that's where woodlands and, and walking connects because we're work, walking in patterns and in rhythms, but within larger rhythms of the ecology. Wow, uh, Peter, it's so interesting because it really look, looks like the word uh, systemic. It's kind of glued to many topics today um, either in coaching, mentoring, teams. Um, why do you think uh, it has become such an important lever? And um, maybe how can we help maybe people to develop some kind of systemic being if there is a need for such thing? Yeah, you see, I think um, why there is a need is because and 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 you know um the uk and portugal were probably at the beginnings of this um for the time of the the scientific revolution the, the industrial revolution period of colonization you know where where i talk about the three c's capital carbon and colonization went hand in hand mm -hmm with the period of the age of reason, the age of science. And what happened in all of that is our whole way of thinking became mechanized, became focused on the left brain neocortex, mm -hmm. atomized in problem solving. 
and and we lost a lot of our uh, ways of thinking through the right hemisphere which sees pattern and connection more mm -hmm. uh through our body knowing our, our, our heart brain heart heart brain head brain and gut brain working together uh, our embodied brain um and our participatory consciousness and our collaborative consciousness everything got into you know being broken down into parts and problems and to deal with the, the challenges of our time we need to get back to a much more connected way of, of, of thinking and being and and by you see i've written a lot about it's no good just getting to systems thinking because what happens is you know when i train coaches to become team coaches they think oh i'm systemic because i'm working with a team rather than individual no you're just working with another a larger bounded system yeah mm -hmm. and and systemic awareness is realizing about nested levels of system and the dance between them the individual is part of the family is part of the extended family part of the community part of the human species part of the more than human world and and then then learning that that all the systems we are nested within are also nested within us so you know i now say there's no such thing as individual coaching because there is coaching with an individual hmm. and through an individual but not of an individual because when an individual turns up for coaching their team dynamic their family dynamic turn up inside them their organizational culture turn up inside them the ecology turns up inside them and and they it's no good asking them questions about you know tell me about the organizational culture because they um there's a lovely phrase in china the last one to know about the sea is the fish <laughs> if you're swimming in the sea you don't notice it, don't see it. Yeah. yeah so we, it's not that they, they tell us about those things but we can sense all those nested systems um playing out through them being enacted through them yeah so again we have to listen with and through the individual with and through the team and that means we have to build our our our, our sensory antennae to hear levels of pattern um in, in my latest book i talk a lot about um taoism and, and chinese philosophy and and some from japanese philosophy where they have much more of a sense of um they talk about you know there there is the immediate patterns but behind that there is li, li which is the pat what gregory bates and the great systems they could call the pattern that connects and there are almost levels of that and and our job is to is to somehow hear that coming through yeah. and just to link that to today's world when when i did the research for henley business school on tomorrow's leadership 
and the necessary revolution in today's leadership development. I spoke to a CEO and he said, listen, Peter, I've got lots of coaches who coach my leaders, lots of consultants who consult to parts of my organization. He said, that's not where our challenges lie. All our challenges lie in the connections, not in the people, not in the parts, and not just the connections between people, but the connections between teams, between divisions, between countries, between us and our stakeholders, between our different stakeholder needs. And he said, where are the people who can coach the connections? And if you like a lot of my work is how do I train people to, first of all, you've got to see patterning connections. And then you've got to see what's disconnected that needs connecting. And, and, and that, that we can train ourselves in if we can learn from the wider systems we're part of. Wonderful. Peter, let, let me connect to, because it's been so rich what you've just said, and you have a very interesting interpretation of uh, Darwin's theory of the survival of the fittest. And you mentioned the fittest as the most adjusted to the specific ecological niche, not uh, in absolute terms, but specifically where where you lie and how that connects to teams and actually to organizations and people. Can you uh, elaborate a little bit on this? Yes. And, and, and just to be a little more um, nuance or around that, it's not, you see, when Darwin talks about the survival of the fittest, he wasn't talking about the ones who'd been to the gym most. <laughs> Obviously. Um, or the strongest. Mm -hmm. He was talking about the fit between species and ecological niche. Mm -hmm. But it's not just the ones who best adapt to the ecological niche, but but dynamically co-evolve with the ecological mm -hmm. niche because the niche is also evolving. Mm -hmm. So the Chinese would say the Li, the pattern is also evolving mm -hmm. and is emergent. So there is a, an ongoing fitting between species and niche and between species and other species. That's, that's how evolution has mm -hmm. always worked. Yeah. And, and it's Gregory Bateson who, who first kind of back in the 1970s, who, who woke me up to all of this and, and, and you know, pointed out that, that the species that, that, that becomes too powerful and destroy what happens is it then destroys its niche mm -hmm. and therefore destroys itself. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. yeah. So, so, so it's something about this dynamic dance. So, so the, I, I apply that to the unit of flourishing, it, you know, the, the, if the unit of survival is never the individual or the team or the team of teams or the organization or, or, or the country or the species, the unit of flourishing is never any of those. Right? So to talk about a high performing team or an excellent organization is bad thinking. Right? The unit of flourishing is always any one of those in dynamic evolution with its context with its ecological mm -hmm. niche 
Yeah, yeah? And, and we can see that, you know, you, if you look at Kodak or further back Olivetti, mm -hmm. number one in typewriters, being number one, the dominant player in your field, it's a dangerous place to be. Mm -hmm. Now apply that to, to species, it becomes more worrying. Mm -hmm. being, the, <laughs> being, being top of the food chain, the number one predator in the world and the, the dominator of the world that's destroying all the species around it. Very dangerous place to be. Yeah. Indeed. Because you're the last to get the feedback from the world around you. Mm -hmm. very, very practically, if you're Kodak, right, mm -hmm. the changes in the world hit your bottom line last. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. But when they hit, they hit. And, 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 when, and, and it, you've left it too late to mm -hmm. adapt and, and to, to adjust. And, and, and you can say the same with the human species. Yes. Right. It's it, we have already, you know, we've had the, the 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 sixth major extinction in the world, but the first to be caused by one species. So, yeah, the the, the whole ecological change is happening very fast, but but rich, privileged humans will be the last to be hit by it. Yeah, and then it'll be too late. And, and and all I'm saying is that if we can't if we can't shift human consciousness, then we can't deal with those issues. Well, and, and by the way, walking um, walking barefoot is even better than than um, <laughs> uh, just walking. Mm -hmm. Definitely, absolutely. Um, well, maybe Peter, this would be a good time. Uh, for you to give us um, your first song and maybe you want to explain um, such choice. <laughs> um, well, the, the, actually the first one, The Rose, it, it's just that I think that the, the words of that song are, are so important. Um, when, when, when you're feeling old and weary and the road it seems too long um and i have to remember the words now um just remember in the winter beneath the frozen snow lies the seed that comes the summer there that comes the, the sunshine in the summer comes a rose which is that sense of um How do we find the active hope in the midst of the enormous challenges? And, and there's some guide in this song that says, you know, some say love, it is a river that bends the broken reed, which is actually a line from the poet Mevlana Rumi, great Sufi. Some say love, it is a razor that leaves the heart to bleed. Some say love, it is a um, hunger, an ever aching need. And I say love, it is a flower and you the only seed. So a call to awakening our potential. Yeah. Finding mm -hmm. what is the seed that we have to nurture and allow to, to, to bloom and flourish. What we can uniquely do that the world of tomorrow needs. 
And then the, the, the next verse is, is, is lovely, which is, um, it's the one afraid of falling that never learns to dance. <laughs> and I teach a lot about, you know, how do we enjoy quality failure? Mm -hmm. It's the one afraid of losing that never takes the chance. That, that, you know, that how we get obsessed with um, health and safety and uh, restrictions and, 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 and become non-entrepreneurial risk-taking. It's the one afraid um, of, of giving that, I've got that line, but a one afraid of dying that never learns to live. Mm. And in my new book, there's a whole chapter on the beauty of transience, death, and non-attachment, in which I say, I quote one of my first spiritual teachers who said, the degree to which we can fully embrace life is the degree to which we can fully embrace death. And that's something else we learn from walking in woodlands. Indeed. <laughs> and what we learn from making compost. So I have... Mm -hmm six compost bins in my garden and i call it not death row but death into life row mm -hmm. <laughs> it is the place where death gets transformed into life, life. Mm -hmm. where absolutely. living and dying come together absolutely mm -hmm. well peter let's listen to the rose then some say love it is
Thank you very much for this wonderful music. Um, let me maybe um, go a bit deeper. We talk a little bit about teams and people, and you have worked with you know an incredible number of people, many different teams. What do you think are the characteristics, or let's say uh, the skills that are needed for each individual and maybe um, a whole as a team to become a great team? What does it take? Yeah, I, interestingly, this morning I was giving a talk for a conference in India um, called Beyond the High Performing Team. And why I don't use that phrase any longer. Because we see it as a place of arrival and it's a mechanistic notion. Or, or, or we, we, we don't see the team in relationship to its context. And we used to believe that a, 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 that you could create a great team by um, helping them have uh, better relationships and all understanding each other's psychometrics. And, uh, and, and actually, all the research says that's, that's not what's most critical. Right? Successful teams are ones that have a very clear purpose, which they recognize they cannot achieve without collaboration. So I say it's the purpose that creates the team, not the team that creates its purpose. <laughs> the purpose is there before the team arrives. Otherwise we wouldn't create a team. Yeah. But then it, in, in the, all the books I've written, I then talk about how we, we, do, we don't create our purpose, we discover it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We, we don't create the path, we discover it. It may not have been walked before, but yeah, <laughs> we're still discovering it. Mm -hmm. um, but then when we discovered our purpose, we have to then turn that into, well, what, what are the, the clear objectives? What are the team KPIs? And only then do we know how we need to be, right, as a team in order to achieve those objectives to fulfill the purpose. And of course the purpose keeps changing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going back to walking, I remember years ago walking what's called the Seven Sisters in Scotland and uh, with my wife and two friends and suddenly the clouds un unexpectedly suddenly came right down, you know, and our mm -hmm. visibility disappeared. And we had to find a way off the mountains, you know, because it was becoming unsafe. Mm -hmm. We had to create a new, a totally new pathway <laughs> and, and <laughs> go down scree. Um, and I remember it well because my 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 wife was finding it very difficult to 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 you know to balance herself. And she did a lot of it just sliding down the scree on her bottom mm -hmm. and her, her complete trousers wore through. <laughs> <laughs> so 
so we then had to hitchhike back along the valley and I had to walk behind her because um, you know, there, there, was, <laughs> okay. there, there was only her knickers at the back. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, this is, this is such a good analogy for big in organizations, yeah? yeah. Right? And it's, it's so interesting, Peter, because let me just ask you, I cannot resist, because quite often when we are doing our walking mentorship programs, especially for corporations, they always ask us, is this team building or team development? So <laughs> I, I send it back to you. Is there any difference? What is the difference? <laughs> well, the, 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 um, I do comment on the fact that you can see, you can find probably 100 books on team building. But, but tell me how many books you can find on team ending. <laughs> you can find hundreds of books on you know the first hundred days, but where are the books on the last hundred days? In mm. our society, everything is about growth. Right? Mm. It's just one phase of the cycle. Gro growth in childhood and growth in, in in spring is fantastic. But you know, what's growth in in, in late middle age? It's overconsumption, obesity, and cancer. We're addicted yeah. to growth. So team building, you know, the, for me, um, uh, team building is just what one early phase of how do we bring a new team together? Yeah. yeah? Mm -hmm. Team evolving, you know, is far more interesting than team building or team development. How are we evolving in dynamic um, relationship to this environment that, that, that we're in and the many, many nested levels of the environment we're within? The organizational environment, the the the, the 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 political, economic, social, and technological environment, the 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 you know the ecological ecosystem. Yeah. Well, I guess noon we need to change definitely the name in the brochure. <laughs> <laughs> and then then just another one about you know uh, that that thing about when you're walking. There's a lovely phrase from Eisenhower. When you go for a walk. Planning is essential. But General Eisenhower said, but plans are useless. <laughs> Absolutely. When, when you're up on the mountain and the weather changes, then then actually, you know, mm -hmm. and it's the same when you work with teams. You, you, you have mm -hmm. to do your planning. You have to do your homework. But mm -hmm. when you get in there, you know, I turn up at a team, to, top team, and as I arrived, the, the, the HR director met me at the door and said, look, you know, I just need to... Before you go in there, just tell you the CEO has just been sacked. The team don't know it yet. <laughs> the, my whole workshop design is out of the window. Very dynamic. Reminds, reminds Mike Tyson that uh, everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the face. So, <laughs> or or life happens. So basically, that's it. Um, so, well, let me let me ask you here um, a little maybe a little provocation do you think all leaders benefit from having a, a coaching approach not necessarily being coaches but having a coaching approach to their teams um yes and y yes that they, they benefit from having a um uh, that sense of how do one of the key roles of any team leader is to grow the capacity of their team collectively and the capacity of each person not to do their current job better but to grow their the, the collective capacity 
for the team to be future fit. Yep. Mm -hmm. And to do that, um, you have to have a, 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 a coaching approach, but um, not in the traditional sense of coaching that we're on the, the client's agenda. Mm -hmm. So when I coach, I'm not interested in being on the client's agenda or my agenda, right? I'm interested in being on the agenda that life is providing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm shoulder to shoulder and saying, mm -hmm. what's the work? I don't ask what they want from coaching. I ask, what's the work that life's knocking on the door asking us to do today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I don't believe, you know, we, we don't control the weather. We don't control the, the, the learning agenda. No. Any of us. No. And if we can have that sort of coaching where the person in front of you isn't your client. Yeah. That's, I think, where we've gone wrong training leaders to be coaches. Mm -hmm. Right. But they're your partner. And what we're both facing shoulder to shoulder mm -hmm. is we're trying to find the way to the learning edge. And the learning edge is where they don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. But we're clear life. Right. right. Needs us to find an answer. That's where interesting meetings happen. Yes. All Absolutely. interesting meetings. Absolutely. At the learning edge. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually on that note, maybe Peter, you can give us on the learning edge a second music. <laughs> well, the, 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 the second piece that, that came to me... Um, and, it, and it's partly, you know, I've um, in a month's time, I will have been with my wife for 48 years. And um, one of the things we love doing together is to go into opera. Mm -hmm. So I've chosen La Traviata, A, because it was the first opera we went to together. Uh, B, because the, 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 the music Right. This, I, I remember coaching a CEO who said, I can't bear opera and I have to take clients because we, we sponsor the opera and I have to take clients to it. And I just said to him, well, look, try a little experiment. Find out the story of the opera before you go. Right. So you're not trying to make sense of it mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. I really know the story. And then when you go, stop listening to it with your ears and your, your left hemisphere neocortex. Mm -hmm. Try and breathe it in through your nose and listen to it with your fingertips, right? And 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 just watch it flow through your whole body. Yeah. And this was a very um, uh, introverted, legally trained CEO. <laughs> very very left brain, and and he said he came back and said, "I've never had an experience like that before." It's totally transformed my experience of opera. And, and there's something about Traviata where, where there's this intense love and then there's this extraordinary scene of the dying. And, and, and the way you experience through the music, the singing, both this love and death, both of which are at the heart of fully living. Well, that's After this, I guess let's listen to La Traviata. Let, let's breathe it in. Mm -hmm. 
so much peter this is such beautiful. an inspiring uh, beautiful song well as as we discussed before you are uh, a grandfather and you are obviously uh, you've shared with us your concern about the future which should be reasonable for any reasonable person to have concerns about the future um but uh i've read somewhere that currently you think there is a growing gap between the challenges placed to leadership and the, the tools or the systems or the availability of uh, support for that leadership to evolve. Um, how, how do you see this unfolding? Because I think, um, you know, having been a professor of leadership, 
looked at leadership development. Um, a lot of what has been taught over the years is, is really not leadership, but, but super management. How do we manage myself, manage my team, manage my function, manage my organization? Not how do we lead? And, and the other big mistake is we've seen leadership as resigning in leaders, rather than seeing that leadership is a relational phenomena yeah it's co-created you can't have leadership without a leader followers and a shared purpose mm -hmm. you know if you have a leader a shared purpose but no followers you have a yeah. voice crying in the wilderness if you have followers and, and, a, and a shared purpose but nobody orchestrating that and and and, mm -hmm. and connecting it you have a passionate mob, mm -hmm. but but in our society, you know what's very very common is a leader and followers, but no purpose. You see it on the Twitter sphere, celebrityism. Mm -hmm. You know you've got people with two million followers, but there's no leadership there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so. So we have to help people realize that you know, to think triangulatedly. So there's a lot even written about leaders and followers or leaders and purpose. But but actually, we have to think in, in, in triangles, not in not in pairs. We're, we're, our, our thinking is very dualistic. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the purpose that creates the leader, like it's the purpose that creates the team. It's the purpose in the followers that create the leader. Yeah. It's the leader and the purpose that create the followers. Yeah, that they co-create each other. Indeed. So, so it's it's this. We need this radical new way of, of thinking, which is um, so. You know, the, the question I use all the time is to ask of the leader, the team, the organisation, what, what can you uniquely contribute? All right that nobody else can, that the world of tomorrow needs, mm -hmm. not that your, your stakeholders need today. And, and people say, well, I'm not unique. And I say, well, look, nobody occupies the place in the interconnected web that you occupy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No one has your network, your mixture of experience, your, your, your mixture of attributes and skills. And, and if you can find the unique contribution it's not that you're special, but but your place is unique. Yeah. Yes. Right. If you can find what's needed from from that particular connecting place on the on on the interconnected web, right? Yeah. And you can treat everything that comes over the horizon as a generous lesson from life. <laughs> you know, the cloud suddenly dropping and having to go down. The scree, oh. mm -hmm. and you can find gratitude for for life sending you that lesson, whatever the lesson mm -hmm. is. Yes, that then you're in the right dance with the wider systems. Mm -hmm. But it's uh, it's so, so interesting. You're talking about dance and rhythm because we are living as a society at a very fast pace. I mean, we all agree on that. But it also seems that the world 
keep actually asking us for even a higher speed of change because of you know different reasons so how is it possible actually to cope with such demands without collapsing <laughs> along along the way and um, and maybe what is the role of actually individual change on the big picture because you now mention the individual and uh, you know it's like a pixel in a in a in a gigantic image what is the the role of individual change in your opinion well um well it, just if we think about individual change we, we are changing every second right the three of us aren't the same people that started this podcast yes right? <laughs> for sure definitely <laughs> um we know that every atom in our in our in our being um in our bodily being uh changes within seven years you know so i ask people i'm actually interested in what 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 stays the same <laughs> <laughs> because actually people who who haven't seen nuno for um eight years would still recognize him but every 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 cell of his is changed. He's probably wearing different mm -hmm. clothes. So 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 what what connects you what? to you eight years ago? <laughs> um, you know, change is a constant. Mm -hmm. but, but where is the constancy? <laughs> mm. Yeah. So so what I think what I think we have to come to terms with is we are constantly changing, but we're not in control of that. Hmm. But you know, we know, for instance, that 98% of what's changing in our body, we're totally unaware of, right? Hmm. And even the things we think we're in control of, actually, uh, our, our executive brain often comes in after the event. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're evolving with everyone who's around us you know it, there's a constant as as if you look at subatomic physics there's a constant mm -hmm. dance going on yes yeah and there's a dance between the levels vertically the dance horizontally so change is in the dance in the in the unfolding and so personal i think a lot of the personal development you know i talk about four steps we can all do don't talk about problems change the language to challenge mm -hmm. very simple thing you can all do every time somebody says i got a problem you say oh that's great tell me about your challenge mm -hmm. it's very subtle reframe yes mm -hmm. locate the challenge not in a person or or a thing or a part but in a connection so people mm -hmm. say oh we've got this impossible boss right um so i would then say oh i hear you've got a challenge that you haven't yet found a way of engaging your boss positively yeah mm -hmm. right we've, we've relocated it right the challenge never lies in a person or a part then once you located it there you see it as a this is the next next lesson that life's decided to put on your agenda right because we know that if you don't 
deal with this with this boss, you'll find another impossible boss in your next job. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. You divorce your, your your partner, you'll find the same the same mm -hmm. problem turns up in the next wife or the next <laughs> husband mm -hmm. or the next job. Yeah. Life has a way of giving mm -hmm. us endless yeah. um, repeats. <laughs> opportunities right. yeah. to learn yeah we, we can reset the exam over and over again <laughs> until we get the lesson yeah. and 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 so personal change happens right not not inside the person or outside the person but in the the connect where the inside and the outside connect where we do have the only place we probably have choice is how we respond yes yes we don't have control, but we have response ability. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 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 that's where where I you know I like the problem is we still think see leadership development is starting with a curriculum, right? Which is dreamt up by the the, the the university or the trainers rather than actually the curriculum's out there. Right. Mm. Let, 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 let's take the training to where the curriculum really lives rather than yeah. yeah, yeah, in the classroom. That definitely makes a lot of sense. And there is uh, certainly, uh, uh, I think, a very good learning in understanding that reality teaches much, much more than uh, than school can ever do, because it's always looking to the past, and reality is happening right now. But uh, on that note, maybe it's time for for you to share your third music. Yes, just before I do, just say you know, theory and models have their place in the same way as we have maps to go on a walk. Yeah. Or we have Google, or right. We also have spectacles. They provide different lenses to shift our way of looking. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't provide what we should be looking at. And if we spend all our time on the walk looking at the map, we don't learn very much. Mm -hmm. No. So this, this this last piece I, I used on my recent retreat to help people focus on the space between. In Japan, they talk about Ma. If you look at a tree in Japan, they say the beauty of the tree is, is, is not in the branches, but the space between the branches, the space between the notes, mm -hmm. the space between the colors. And, and, and in the West, we're very, very poorly trained in, 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 in listening and seeing the space between the, the dance rather than the dancers. So, so as people listen to, to this lovely piece by Arvo Pert, the, um, the um, Estonian composer, beautiful, he's now in his 80s or 90s, still alive, very spiritual composer. It's a very slow piece, and I invite people to just listen, to see if you can listen to the spaces between the notes, between the, the left hand of the piano player and the right hand between the conversation space between the violin and the piano. So don't try and listen to it differently to hear the spaces between left hand, right hand, violin, piano, until you can hear the, 
the silences between the notes. This, this is this is great training. Wow. Well, let's listen to the space between. Thank you, Peter, for this um, third song. I mean, we are really reaching the end of our conversation. So we just have a couple of, uh, I would say, final questions, but not necessarily the easiest ones. Sometimes they even call it curveballs, but let's hope not. Um, well, the first question we have for you is that if you could take off on any adventure today, no constraints, what would it be and why? Any adventure? Well, this may be a curved answer. <laughs> but given what I've said earlier, I, 
I would love to see every day as an adventure. Mm. Right? And to come at the end and say, wow, that today was not what I expected. What, what I ended up saying here was not what I expected to be sharing with you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So so I'm about to go to Korea to to teach the first time I've taught systemic team coaching in, in, in Korea. And I always say to those courses, you know, if I don't learn something new, teach something new and upgrade something about the program, this will be the last one I ever teach. Yeah. And I make them responsible for, for the next program happening. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because so, so there is something about making every the notion that we don't have to go, you know, we don't have to be like Elon Musk or Richard Branson and go to Mars, right? That there's an adventure on our doorstep. Mm -hmm. yes. Every time I walk through my walled garden or my woodland, right? It teaches me something new. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. I, I cannot agree more with you. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. So maybe I follow up with uh, another uh, question, which is, uh, if we are missing anything as humans, is there anything missing globally? If we're meeting everything? Oh, anything. So, so, so say the question again. If we are are we missing anything as humans? Is there anything that we are lacking or not uh, being uh, capable of? The, we, so let's end with the notion that, um, well, I get there by saying, people set, set, bring me enormous, I supervise consultants and um, coaches right around the world and they bring great challenges. And I say, look, when you get to the learning edge, your client will panic, you'll panic. At that stage, don't try harder. I say, they say, so what do we do? And I say, you pray. And I don't mind who you pray to as long as it's a system bigger than you. Mm -hmm. And the notion of systemic prayer which is actually human beings learning the humility to, to learn from um, what uh, Robin Wall Kimmerer says is from a Native American tradition. She's a botanist and, and also from the Native American tradition. She says, um, remember, we are the youngest child of creation. And we have to have the humility to learn from those who've been here far longer, our brothers and sisters who've been here far longer than we have. And so, you know, what we as human beings are most are most lacking is humility and, and a sense of 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 the of the mystery of the sacred, which is being here for way before we arrived very late on this planet. Mm -hmm. We'll be here way, way beyond yeah. we as a species. Mm -hmm. And just to be in awe of the mystery and the oneness and the sacredness of, of the unfolding of creation. Yeah. You know, if, if we can hold that in our hearts, 
in the midst of all the bombardment of daily challenges and whatever we do then then we're working from source not from effort yes well thank you thank you well peter we are approaching the end of our walk today unfortunately because it it leaves us really with this feeling that we could and we should walk much longer with you because there's so much the good thing is that we are recording the podcast and we can listen in repeat many many times and this is wonderful we have one last question for you um so if you had a time capsule and um we will you know be able to put you will be able to put a message inside or an item whatever something inside that will shoot it into the universe and who knows maybe next year maybe 1000 years from now either someone or something will open up this time capsule what would you like to place inside as a message well um there'll be two i think the first would be to apologize to future generations for what our incredibly privileged generation has done to the world and to say i'm sorry we could not do more to rectify the damage we've done and the second would be a quote from my first spiritual teacher which is you can always love more and the more isn't just a matter of quantity mm -hmm. it, it's a matter of how far you can can reach that's beautiful yeah. um, so that that would be my message you can always love more well i don't think we could finish any better this conversation than with that beautiful quote um well peter thank you so much for this uh, absolutely wonderful uh, conversation we've had you've been so generous and you've shared so much with us and with our audience naturally um it's been uh, amazing learning definitely we're very different from where we began a few <laughs> minutes ago yes. um and really i'm looking forward to listen again and again because uh, definitely a lot to learn here well thank you and um your, your your followers are welcome to join me on linkedin where i do regular blogs on a, mm -hmm. on a number of these themes well for sure we will place this information and i'm sure that um people will be grateful and once again thank you for this opportunity to walk and talk with you it really felt like a walk <laughs> well hopefully many of your listeners will be able to listen to this while they're walking hopefully through and we'll be able to pause and um see how what's around them has more to say than i have <laughs> wow and thank you for, uh, for the music i think it will help a lot on the walk as well <laughs> thank you Keep walking with me. It is a podcast inspired by the walking mentorship experience. Step by step, we walk together towards the best version of ourselves. 
For more information about our mentoring programs, visit our website, walkingmentorship.com.